The first time I visited Paris, I was 20 years old. I remember clutching my bags with excitement in the Boston airport. I was ready. I'd already had some 10 years or so of French under my belt, so language wasn't a problem. And Paris, well, it's Paris. I'd seen enough posters, rom-coms, t-shirts, keychains, perfumes, soft bath towels, you name it. The city for me was an idea, a concept that I was ready to take in at the source. Only, I didn't fall in love with Paris right away. Sure, the, the Notre Dame towered over the Seine, the Sacré-Cœur's white marble glowed on top of Montmartre from the highway. I even climbed the Arc de Triomphe on my first day. Everything was exactly how I imagined it, but emotionally it felt empty. I expected to gaze at the cityscape and the Eiffel Tower, and this feeling of love and belonging would just hit me. Only I thought, okay, these buildings are a lot shorter than I thought. And as for the famous tower, once you've seen it, you've seen it, right? I was underwhelmed with Paris. And I wasn't the only one. In Japanese, there's even a term for when someone is profoundly disappointed by expectations of the French capital that don't live up to reality. It's called Paris Syndrome. And that's because many of us are only presented with a stereotype of the city, a fairy tale of romance, high fashion, and coco vin. Paris is one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world, but few are visiting for the unique, real qualities that help transcend the city into myth and possibility. So why are so many of us so ready to love something that doesn't really exist? And if what we think of Paris is so far from the truth, how can we learn to love this iconic place for what it really is? From Seance Po, this is Myth of Paris. I'm your host, Keely Sullivan. If you ask the average American what defines Paris, there's a lot of things they might mention. But we promise you that top of the list is the look the fashion capital of the world, an example of confidence and sexiness in high heels. So we decided to strip down this image for what it really is, just an image. It's how I found myself on a cool fall morning walking down the iconic Champs-Élysées. What could be a more emblematic place than here to get a sense for Parisian fashion? I got off at the closest metro, strolled down that famous avenue, and watched. I found people lined around the building of one of Paris's most global fashion brands, Louis Vuitton. This Louis Vuitton is considered the flagship in the city, as it picks up the highest volume of visitors compared to other outlet stores. So, now I have two questions. One, who's in line? And maybe a bit more bluntly, who is buying haute couture in the middle of a pandemic? Uh, where are you guys from? Toronto. And so, uh, how did you guys end up in Paris this weekend? We kind of just decided last night. We were already traveling and we are just like, do you want to go to Paris? And we said, yeah. So, what brought you to Louis Vuitton today? 
Well, we came a few days ago and we were looking at some stuff, but we want to shop around first, see if we find anything else. But now we're gonna buy some stuff. What brought you to this Louis Vuitton today? I'm looking for a bag and I didn't find it in the first boutique where I went and they told me they had it in, in stock here. So that's why I came. I don't think that typically in this store, in this location is where you would find a typical Parisian at all. I mean, even in the Champs-Élysées in general, Parisians don't come here. I've, I've lived here for a little while before and yeah, you only come here for something super specific. So then sort of inferring what you're saying, do you think that mostly tourists are hanging out around here? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, definitely tourists. <laughs> so the world of haute class brands might not even be chic for the people who were told wear them. But sales tell us at least someone thinks they are. Prestigious brands like Dior and Chanel have attracted massive financial flows and tourists. The luxury industry is far from defining Paris fashion. Our reporter, Lauren Bain, set out to stitch together the fabric of Paris's fashion identity. Far from the crowded Champs-Élysées and its fancy boutiques, and away from the fast fashion shops in Montmartre, Front de Mode is a little concept store in the heart of the Marais. Its owner, Sakina Massa, defines her creations by one word, enlightened. We have always been for enlightened fashion. We're for fashion that enlightens each person in the supply chain, not shrouded in darkness like fast fashion. Beyond the reference to the French philosophers of the 18th century, this word indicates that as a designer, Takina aspires to go above and beyond the confines of tradition. Originally from the island nation of Comoros off the east coast of Africa, Sakina admired France for its rich culture, history, and of course, fashion. I'm of Comorian origin and we had this view from Comoros that France is the country of the Enlightenment, the country of culture, the country of human rights. For me, fast fashion is in the dark, and for the country of the Enlightenment, I think it's important to embody enlightenment. But I say enlightened fashion. What is enlightened fashion? It's a fashion that enlightens every person on the supply chain. I believe that fashion should illuminate each individual along the entire supply chain. For me, that is enlightened fashion. Fond de Mode evokes Sakina's vibrant and cunning eye for fashion through the use of colorful patterns that are still minimalist and elegant. The price tags can appear steep at first sight, from 100 to 600 euros for some pieces. But there is a reason for that. The whole production chain is impregnated with responsibility and sustainability, an essential detail for Fond de Mode's identity. We must really be transparent in order to know how to work in a dignified manner. That is very important for me. It's what I've been striving for from the beginning. When I first started going to catwalks, I remember wondering if I was the only one fighting to say people can't work like that anymore. People shouldn't suffer to make cheap t-shirts. Someone always pays the cost in the end. Inclusion of all voices and representation in the fashion industry is even more apparent in recent months with the Black Lives Matter movement spreading across the world. But in France, a new initiative toward inclusive body types is just starting to take shape. women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model's size. 
but when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. of a wafer-thin, slender Parisian woman is at the pinnacle of beauty in the fashion industry. France has often equated success with slenderness. In this culture, it's hard to feel confident in clothes only tailored to fit slim and slender builds. It's why Exal Bouvillon left her career as a lawyer to start a clothing company, reshaping the way clothes are made for French women. For me, it's very important because before I started sewing and starting to make my own clothes, I realized that I had this feeling. I had the impression that my body wasn't made properly, since it didn't fit into the standard clothes that you could find in all the brands that matter. So I learned that it was my body that had a problem. Whereas no, clothes are there to serve us, and not the other way around. Excel is the type of person who does nothing halfway. She grew up in the Haute-de-Seine region, west of Paris. After studying law for five years, she worked as a jurist in a few firms and at the Ministry of Justice. Eventually, Excel came to realize that law wasn't working out. A few sewing classes drew her off the bench and into the studio. By 2018, Excel was forging her own fashion brand. For me, it's important to show that beauty So for me, it's important to show that we make beauty. It can be everywhere and especially at this moment with the influence of social media. Sometimes we only show very smooth, filtered images, but it's important to show that we are beautiful, no matter what, even if we don't stick to the standard typically presented to us. For me, it's super important, especially in terms of the body, because there are so many things that go through the perception of the body, the perception of one's own body. For me, it's important that women feel good and feel good about it. Phenom Thick gets its name from the Maya Angelou poem, Phenomenal Woman. Many of her clothes can be pre-ordered with custom sizes and dimensions specific to the client's request. This pre-order model reduces waste by producing only what will be consumed. This brand is a mix between phenomenal and ethics. Because the concept of my brand is inspired in part by the African-American writer who was born in the 1920s and who wrote the poem Phenomenal Woman, I really wanted to make women feel beautiful, even if they didn't fit into a size 8. The idea of my brand was really to offer women clothes in which they will feel good and beautiful, even if they don't fit into the standards of beauty. We make a collection that morphs to the buyer. Within the same piece, you could have a size 10 at the waist and size 8 at the hips. It's a brand that respects both humans and the environment. Phenom Thick and Sakina are examples of woman-helmed brands doing things differently. The future of fashion looks like phenomenal women, breaking the mold of traditional French fashion, one compelling shape and color at a time. So perhaps next time you're visiting Paris, instead of venturing down to Champs-Élysées or a designer handbag, you might find yourself headed to Sakino or Excel for a handcrafted, customized piece to add to your wardrobe. This podcast is hosted by me, Keely Sullivan. 
Reporting and producing by Lauren Bain, Tatiana Sorova, and I. The song, Paris Ballad, was performed by Dana Boulay.